Hey everyone, if you like the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast, you might also appreciate the I Like Beer the Podcast. Listening to these guys is like being a fly on the wall of the pub with a few of your favorite mates having a pint. These professional beer appreciators have plenty of stories to share on everything from the mating habits of penguins to their behind-the-scenes brewery experiences. Check out the I Like Beer the Podcast wherever you are listening to this show about coffee or head to ilikebeerthepodcast.com. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 16 of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I'm Ryan Wolt, and this is the show where I bring you the stories of coffee professionals, entrepreneurship, and coffee education. We've got a great show today, and we're going to talk about Greek mythology. In Greek myth, Achilles was the hero of the Trojan War. He was the greatest of all the Greek warriors, and he's the central character of Homer's epic, The Iliad. Achilles is also the name Chad Bell and his wife chose for their son, who became the namesake of his business, Achilles Coffee Roasters, which is based in near downtown San Diego. I'd like to note for the record that even though I looked up the word namesake in the dictionary before recording this show, I'm still not sure that I used it correctly. If there are any wordsmiths listening, please give me a shout at Roast West Coast on Instagram to let me know or head to RoastWestCoast.com to read the definition for yourself, courtesy of Merriam-Webster. And while you're there, sign up for this show's newsletter, and I'll send you this podcast every single week. Achilles Coffee Roasters has opened four regional locations over the past seven years, and there is at least one, if not two, on the way in 2022. Despite the rapid growth, Chad didn't start out as a coffee guy, but he is someone who seems to thrive when there is at least a little bit of chaos around him. When we chatted a few weeks ago, he was sitting outside on a patio on a sunny morning. I could hear birds and airplanes through the video feed, and Chad himself was very focused, very intent on engaging in conversation. Even through our video chat, he had a commanding presence, and for the moment, at the beginning, I felt a little intimidated. Then we started talking, and I kept finding myself thinking, well, this is interesting, and wanting to know more. So I hope that you feel the same way and enjoy this interview. That's your warning that we're about to get started. So double check that your coffee cup is full. I'm drinking a batch brew from Vigilante Coffee Roasters. They're a newish coffee roaster in Oceanside, California. It's big and open and the service this morning was quite lovely. There's an original location back on the East Coast, but this show is called Roast West Coast, so we're not gonna get into that right now. Okay, I've given you a minute. Is your coffee mug full? Good. I'm glad, because it is time for this interview with Chad Bell of Achilles Coffee Roasters on the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. Coincidentally, I had a job in college where I managed like the AV for presentations, so I had just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> and make it sound a little bit better than your normal podcast in the closet, uh, which is what this is. So welcome to the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I appreciate you being here. Thanks. 
I was hoping just for our tape here and to let everyone know if you could let us know your name and what your business is, uh, your job title. Okay. Well, Chad Bell, founder of Achilles Coffee Roasters. I mean, my job title, HR, um, CMO, maintenance, coffee roasting, sourcing, uh, geez, whatever, construction management. Uh, what else have I done today? Interviewing. I mean, you name it. I wish I... It would be it be simple if I had one title and one focus, but that would probably get boring. So uh, that's my, that's my job title. Basically, everything that doesn't get done is on my plate. Yeah, I would imagine that if I asked you for a list of things that you need to fix this week, uh, you'd be able to come up with a few right off the top of your head. Yeah, yeah, I have a running list on my phone, and some of these have been on there for months, and. You know, just sometimes things don't ever get done and sometimes they do. So that list never ends. It's the the beauty of being an entrepreneur with your own business where everything comes like the, you are the last person in that line of defense. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, that's I do this because of all of it comes with it. Uh, are you a person that thrives on the stress of, of hospitality and the thrust, the, excuse me, the stress of business building then? Well, yeah, stress or just the challenge. I mean, it's like the uncertainty, like I have no idea what tomorrow is going to be like. I mean, I have a, you know, a relatively good idea now, right? But I don't, something will always come up. And I think that's what I thrive off of. It's, you know, it's a double-edged sword, but I think that's what I thrive off the most. I mean, it's just the constant challenges, creating solutions to challenges, to things that, I, I can't even see coming. Like I have no idea, um, but they're going to come and I'm going to have to find a solution to those and I'm going to have to work through them. And that I, I love. Here, here's a question. And I normally wouldn't get to something like this till later, but we're already kind of just jumping ahead and I'll backtrack in a minute to get some backstory. But what advice would you give to somebody who was starting their own business about the need to be able to multitask or be flexible? She's, I mean, I don't even about the need to multitask. I mean, I, I, I don't think when you're new and you've never done this before, entrepreneurship, running a business, you have no clue. You just have no clue. I had no clue. The ability to be able to manage 10 to 15 balls in the air and juggle that um, and not letting them hit the floor, right? I mean, that is probably... In my experience, that that and that's where I'm very good. You know, we, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. I'm very good at juggling 15 or 20 things at once, and keeping that kind of sorted in my mind and compartmentalizing them and prioritizing and staying focused at the same time. And for you know, if someone's listening, I'm I'm seeing you kind of moving your hands around, and I can actually see what you're talking about in my head as things get moved up and down that priorities list on a day, depending on what's happening yep. right now. Yep. I'm already thinking back to an old movie called hackers where they were going through a computer and trying to show that. And uh, yeah. what about you? What, I mean, did you have a first experience with coffee that made you think, yeah, this is interesting. This is something that I want to learn a little bit more about or be part of my life before the businesses came along. Yeah, uh, I did. Uh, early nineties. <clears throat> so Little backstory: I uh, was into drug. I got into drugs really heavy in my twenties. 
Um, and in one of my attempts to get clean, I was hanging out with some other people who were trying to get clean. And what we did is we hung out and drank coffee. And that was my first exposure to actually real coffee. So there I was in, uh, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. So that's where I was at at the time. And there was a coffee roaster there, Stoff's Coffee. And he had on offering, I, I can't remember. To me, it seemed like 15 or 20 offerings. It may have been less than that. Um, so we would be able to go and choose our Tanzania Peaberry, Jamaican Blue Mountain, you know, I can't even remember, Costa Rican, Guatemala, I'm sure. And we would grind it. We'd hang out, grind it, and make press pot coffee and drink it. And that was my first exposure to like drinking, actually drinking, enjoying coffee, you know, talking about where it came from, talking about what we were tasting. And that's where it all started. I had no clue that, you know, fast forward where, I mean, geez, 25 years that I would be roasting coffee and, you know, basically running what Stoffs was times five, right? Because there was only one Stoffs. And that's kind of how it got started. Well, in between uh, that time in Columbus and now here in San Diego, I, I think if I did my research right, you were in San Francisco for a while. What brought you out to the West Coast and, and what were you doing out here? Um, I mean, I had I had family out here, so I had come when I was a kid, right? Uh, 12 from Ohio to California. I was like, this is Disneyland. This is where this is where I want to live. So shortly after high school, I ended up going to San Francisco. And my travels to California, that was my favorite. San Francisco was my favorite place. It's probably the furthest thing from Columbus, Ohio. And that's why I loved it so much. And so I ended up, you know, I ended up in San Francisco. There was probably, it was <clears throat> the last time it was probably a drug fueled cross country binge that we ended up there. And then I never left. And I was there for 15 years. Uh, what were you doing up there before Achilles? Well, it started in college driving a taxi. I drove cab for like five years while I was in college. I mean, that was a lot of fun, a lot of good stories there. I then went from driving cab uh, college to, I got a teaching credential and taught high school for about a year and a half. Did that and then realized ah, this just isn't for me. I mean, I, I love teaching and working with kids. It was great, but I just knew long-term that was not going to be a good fit for me. So I left and went to business school with the, what I wanted to do. And the whole goal was I wanted to start web-based instructional for language. I taught language. So my idea was like, there wasn't anything at the time. I mean, we were still using some textbooks. I mean, this was 2005, so not too long ago. Right. And anyway, so that was my plan. And then I went to business school and got into, started doing some web development and web design and that took off. And I never got to the web-based instructional company that I wanted to build. I basically saw it was a behemoth that I just at the time was not equipped to take on and then started a company uh, building websites. And I did that uh, until I moved to San Diego seven years ago. And we moved down here. I moved down with my wife. My son was six months old at the time. And that's really where the, the idea of I got the coffee, started getting into coffee. I was so used in San Francisco to having I mean, there was coffee everywhere. So there was good coffee, there was bad coffee, but there was coffee everywhere. And we moved downtown to Cortez Hill uh, seven years ago. And I mean, compared to what I was used to, there was nothing here. I mean, I think the only thing downtown was um, for specialty coffee. I think there was a 
the coffee and tea collective, I think was on ninth. Now modern times has moved in there. That was the only place that there was good coffee at the time. And that was a long walk from where I was living. So in it, I was searching for coffee. I wanted a drip. Like I wanted a, a V60 drip. I was like, can it, is it, should it be, is it really this hard to find a drip coffee? I'm in downtown San Francisco. And what I found in my search was a coffee cart for sale. A roast coach coffee uh, was for sale. I found it on a um, BizBen, which is a, a business website. And long story short, I ended up purchasing roast coach and that's catapulted me into the coffee business. I was still running the web design business and the coffee cart at the same time kind of transitioning out of the uh, web design business and really wanting to get into the coffee. It took a while, but, and then eventually I was able to transition to a retail location and the coffee, I ended up selling the coffee cart to a, uh, a barista who had been running it for me for about a year. And it's still there. It's, she's still running, Shelly's still running Rose Coach uh, at 6th and J over in front of Meze. And then, you know, I opened the first location in Cortez Hill, which was two blocks from where I had been living. And that's why I knew this. I had been scouting this location for a long time. It came available. We moved in and that was my, you know, that was my first kind of coffee shop. How big of a transition was it for you having coming from a tech background and a cab background to jump into hospitality? I mean, that's, I think the taxi cab almost to me would just from the outside would have more applicable skills just from a, a personality standpoint and a communicating with strangers. But how big of a jump was that for you? And what were there any surprises kind of along the way in those first couple of years? I, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a big jump. It was actually a welcome jump. Uh, I, it was very, the run in the web uh, design development business project base was extremely stressful. It was, you know, feast or famine. It just, I was not suited for that. And it was a much easier transition getting into hospitality, food and beverage. You know, I grew up working in kitchens and front and back of the house. So I had experience, obviously not running one, but I had experience now running a business and I did have food and beverage experience. So it was actually a much more natural fit for me than running the design and development company. Sure. And I think people, I mean, it's nice to give people something they already want. And you were living in a neighborhood. I'm dealing with people that are happy now every morning. I'm giving something happy as opposed to dealing with clients that are frustrated because their project's not progressing at the, you know, it, it was, I was so glad to be out of it and move into this. And for all of the stresses and challenges and, you know, moments I've said, I can't do it. I, I quit. Like it's still a way better fit for me. And I, I actually really enjoy it. Well, you must enjoy it because you've been expanding pretty quickly in the big picture of things. But before we get into that, I want to ask you about the name, Greek mythology name and looking at your logo uh, with kind of the, the head, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, the right word for it, um, the helmet, the helmet, yeah, Greek helmet. Where did the name come from? What does it mean? And how does it kind of like represent what your brand is? Uh, well, my son, his name is Achilles. So he was about six months old, maybe about a year old when I took over Rose Coach. And then when I finally opened the Achilles Coffee, the actual retail location, I decided to name it after him. And that just came from, it was my wife's idea to name him Achilles. And it was just her love of Greek mythology and then the idea of strong name. That's where it came from. And it kind of fits in the whole branding. It kind of fits in with just my 
like approach to life. I mean, I, you know, tend to run pretty hard, consider myself a warrior, everything from like doing Ironmans to marathons to just my approach to life. It, it felt right, you know, and the whole branding has been kind of my vision for kind of how I express myself in, in, in life. And my son now, he practices and competes in jujitsu. So he's living up to his name. And that's kind of where I really want to take the branding even further as we continue to grow. Sure. Well, and Achilles was kind of the considered kind of the greatest of all the Greek warriors, you know, when you go back into myth, it's definitely someone that was looked up to, to the point where if anyone is interested in Greek mythology, Achilles was going to be getting his own kind of odyssey like book that was never finished by Homer uh, back in the day, a long time ago. So you start this company, Achilles, you have a name, you've got, you, you go from the cart to the retail location. One of the things that you guys talk about on your website is your goal to trace every dollar uh, that you spend back to the farmer and kind of all those middle points in between. How did you go about getting started in, in learning that sort of sourcing and deciding that was something that was important to you as a company? And, and how do you go about kind of showing that you've been doing that? Well, it's interesting. I saw Joe from Cape Horn yesterday and that th- this whole idea came out of my relationship with him when we started working with him, particularly as our buyer in, in Cape Horn. And just my, I mean, just interest in, you know, the, in the entire supply chain from where we're sourcing coffee and all of our sourcing to the end consumer. And communicating with him and just kind of learn the economics of, of, of coffee. And then, so it was our goal. This started um, just pre COVID and I was going to start some sourcing trips with Joe to start meeting farmers. Some of the guys that we purchased from that own the farms I've met, Joe has brought them in um, and introduced me uh, over the years, uh, at least from where we're sourcing in Guatemala, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Mexico, um, so I wanted to be more involved in that. I really wanted to go and visit the farms and get a better idea of who's growing, you know, what we're sourcing and how much they're getting paid for it and tracing that, right? Then COVID hit and I had to re- completely refocus. I had to completely refocus. So, you know, I, I was with him yesterday and then I'm like, okay, I want to get back on track. It was two years, over two years ago. Let's get some, you know, sourcing trips together um, in that, and then to kind of pivot during that time, I met Carl from Cedro Alto. I don't know if you know him or not, but he would be also, he'd be a great guest, very knowledgeable. I mean, he's got a PhD knowledge of economics really with the, the, the farmers on the ground and co-ops and the economics of it. He was here in San Diego visiting coffee roasters. We ended up purchasing coffee from him. You know, he was able to introduce us to the, the micro lots and the farmers that grow the micro lots and really be transparent with like the coffee that we purchased came from Edwin. Here's how much Edwin is take. You're, you're paying four fifty for this coffee. Here's how much Edwin's actually getting at the end. You know, he's getting a dollar, you know, 30 or dollar 40. I don't remember exactly the numbers were. And he was able to really kind of explain I mean, there's so many steps between myself and Edwin that everybody's got their hands in there. It's business, right? And 
So unfortunately, the lowest amounts going to probably to the farmer. Um, so, but he was able to kind of really explain to me that process and where the money was going, and in the in the end, how much the farmers actually get, actually getting. He's written a book too. I can't remember off the top of my head, but. Uh, I'll send you an email with his name and contact because he's re- to explore this. T- I'm not an authority on this. I'm really still learning. He is, and he has a lot of knowledge. He's still on the ground in Colombia, still working with farmers and co-ops to, and like his mission really is to kind of improve, you know, the economics for the farmers and how much money you know they're actually getting. So that that's kind of how it started, and, and my goal, you know, the goals kind of pivot a little bit, but now that maybe we're coming out of COVID, I'll, I'll have some more resources and time to start working on that. But, you know, with Joe's help, you know, Joe is basically, I can't fly around and be everywhere, but he does. And he has these relationships with the farmer. So he is able to do that in a more efficient way than myself flying around and doing this. Although I still want to meet these guys. You know, I, I kind of want to do these sourcing trips. Plus, I like to surf, so it's going to be great to, you know, be on the ground and you know, you know, surf and visit farms. Yeah, I think Joe has got Joe is the only one of all of us who's got it figured out. He gets everyone else to to buy coffee from him, so he can fly around the world and go to all these great places. Yep. And that you know, that's I. I mean, I wouldn't even have the time. I mean, now I have two kids, and you know, I mean, it would be a luxury to be able to tell my wife, oh, hey. See, yeah, I got to go down. I got to go work in Costa Rica for five days. You know, I'll be back, you know. <laughs> and just, we didn't mention his last name at the top of this part of the, the conversation, but Joe Bettinger is a coffee broker for Cape Horn Coffee Importers. And I'm actually going to be seeing him this afternoon, I think. Oh, yeah, he's in town. You're in San Diego, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm in Carlsbad and uh, he's going to be passing by. So we're going to try to try to connect somewhere in the middle. You mentioned pivoting about two years ago when COVID hit, but you as a company have continued to grow and expand. You've got four locations already. You've got another location coming in North County, San Diego, in the Solano Beach area, I believe. How have you kind of navigated that growth over the past two years and adapted to this new playing field that COVID has presented all of us? I mean, really, it's about being flexible. I mean, every day, like, you know, I mean, that was probably again, the ability, like my strength is the ability to juggle, but also not panic. Right. So there wasn't a, there wasn't a moment at when COVID started and every, I mean, every day, I didn't know tomorrow where we're going to be able to operate. I, I mean, I didn't know, but my strength is the ability to kind of operate in that kind of environment, high uncertainty, who knows what tomorrow is going to bring? I'm going to have to be flexible. I may have to work 15 hours tomorrow. I may have to work all night. That's my strength. So it really played right into my strengths. So, I mean, it really was just every day what's happening and how are we going to, how am I going to adapt? I mean, first thing was st- cutting staffing and like streamlining. The first thing I realized we had to do was. Fortunately, I didn't have to let anybody go in COVID because most people left, right? So I didn't have to I didn't have to let anybody go. We never closed. So I I kept a core of baristas with us that kept us, you know, operating. And it was just a lot of being there every single day and letting them know, hey, like we'll get through this. I appreciate you being here, but like let's let's do it. And 
you know, we just, it was in a way I look back, it really helped us streamline. I got rid of a lot of fluff and a lot of things that weren't core to our business. And now at the end of that, what I've been able to distill is I found the core of our business and in in, in the strategy now moving forward is a, a focus on our baristas, our team, um, and building really good team, paying baristas really well, evaluation, training. Um, the core of what we're going to do as we grow is really dependent on our team. And, the, and it really is that barista behind the bar. And that is where our focus has, you know, before it was just so all over the place. I mean, we were selling kombucha and like, I mean, I, I don't even, you know, know, like, and it really got distilled because all that went away. We really got our focus on, we sell coffee. That's what we do and food, breakfast food. And then I, you know, it really came to, you know, a head of like, wow, what is really the most important component of our operation? And it's our barista and customers, but that customer is better served by having a really professional barista that's well-paid and trained. And like, that's where we come out here. Now, here we find ourselves, you know, in uh, opening a fifth location. And that is the real focus now as we, as we grow. What kind of training are you giving baristas? I mean, what is that, that goal just to make a good cup of coffee, to teach them history of coffee? What, how has that training program expanded since you've made that the focus? Well, we've lengthened it. I mean, you know, I learned from a lot of mistakes. I, I, you know, at the very beginning, like I would hire somebody and basically put them behind the bar and just be like, go for it. Right. Um, obviously that doesn't work. Um, but you know, when I only have three baristas and myself, I didn't have a training program. So now the training, our training lasts almost a month. And, and not only is it working one-on-one with baristas, but giving feedback, have an evaluation process. Uh, so baristas know like, okay, here's what's going to happen this month you know, and take slowing down and taking time and not rushing anybody onto the floor and giving them a scheduled shift until they are not only preparing the pour over the way that we want it pour, uh, prepared, calibrating the espresso, but the knowledge of our food menu, the knowledge of our coffee menu, and the approach that we want baristas to take towards our, to our customers, the, the, the service that they're providing really taking time to craft that before somebody, you know, starts to work. And it starts like this whole focus has grown to like, it starts from the resumes that we get and our initial contact and phone interviews, and then the interview process and the whole hiring process, onboarding, supports, training, evaluation, follow-up and pay. I mean, now my goal is that we Achilles Coffee will be the highest paid for baristas. This will be the highest paid company in San Diego. That's my goal. I don't know if we'll get there, but we're really going to try. And by that, I'm saying that by the end of one year, our baristas will be make a minimum of $20 an hour, perhaps more. Um, we offer health benefits now. We started a Kaiser program, uh, paid time off. Uh, we're building out our human resources department. My wife's coming on to, to help that. So all of this designed to really build our our team. It reminds me of uh, when I was young, I, I grew up in a restaurant 
And I remember our service staff uh, would spend no less than four Saturdays, eight hour days, uh, one-on-one working with my dad to learn all the different things that we did and learn all the food. And this is how we serve tables and how we talk to people. And this is what to do in this situation. And that is something I think over the last 15, 20 years has, has gone away a little bit because people have wanted faster and faster and faster and more and more turnover. You're going the other way with it and creating a bigger program and, and more training uh, offering. I think ideally then in return, you're getting people who are looking at this as a career and not just a summer coffee job. I'm wondering, especially right now, I hear from a lot of coffee companies how difficult it has been for them to hire. Uh, There's a lot of competition. Employee rates have been going up. I think a lot of businesses were built on the idea of minimum wage. How are you competing for those employees or letting people know that you are a company that wants to treat them this way? Well, I mean, it really, my interview process now is about 45 minutes long. The first initial sit down interview. Um, So we kind of have a discussion, right? This is like, there's a lot of, I need to know, and it's not, nothing has to do with, it doesn't have anything to do with coffee. We, we don't discuss coffee because that's almost secondary at this point, right? What I'm trying to find out is share my vision with what we're trying to do with our team building and where we want to create this. I want, it's obviously it's not a career path for everybody, but if this is a career path for you, at least for the next couple of years, this is what we're going to do to create that for you, you know, and maybe develop you, help you develop professionally and personally here, you know, as, as we grow and as we grow, there's more room for growth here, uh, opportunity for advancement. And it really comes to selling that person on our vision for them and have them come on because, you know, I was reading something interesting, you know, we're calling it the great resignation. resignation. So now I guess there's enough data to start extrapolating information from. And what this article that I read, you know, whatever, you know, it's like, uh, take it for what it is, but that while pay is certainly important, that it takes a significant bump in pay for somebody to leave a situation that they feel supported, uh, comfortable in, like, you know, nurtured, whatever that may be, it's, it's going to take us, they use like a 20% or 30% jump in pay for that person to go and say, well, I'm going to leave this behind and go take something else. So knowing that it's like, okay, we need to create that sort of culture. So somebody says, well, okay. I mean, if we do get to a point of like, uh, uh, you know, uh, a war of salary between somebody else, it's like, well, okay, that's fine, but we're going to pay well, but we're also creating this culture here. I hope you share our vision and you want to come along for this ride with us and, you know, compete that way. And then also there's a pay component, you know, I will, you know, we'll be at $20 an hour. I we're giving, I, what another thing that I'm trying to do is it's all laid out. When somebody comes on, here's your evaluation and pay schedule. This is how much you're going to be making every quarter you get a raise if you pass an evaluation. And so, if you're in with us, here's where you'll here's where you'll be, right? And here's some benefits that'll come along with it. Um, and that's how I decided to, to compete. And it's not a good fit for everybody. I mean, you know, and that's what we need to determine. I'm finding that, like, yeah, I there are 
you know, baristas like, wow, I mean, I would love to be able to make $20 at the end of a year to be able to, you know, have evaluations and some security and, you know, that, that nurturing and support. Yes. I'm, I'm on board with that. Sure. Especially after COVID, I think there's an appreciation for predictability when it comes to pay. And that isn't something that's been common in hospitality for the long haul. I can say anecdotally on the other side of what you are discussing, my wife and I are great examples where she could make more money at a different job, but she loves the people that she works with. She's, you know, anytime she really needs something, they've been providing it for her. And so she, she doesn't want to leave. And I actually left a job and took about a 50% pay cut because I didn't feel that, that the same way that she did. And I could see that what she was getting was what I wanted out of my career. So kudos to you for that. You brought this up earlier in our conversation. I'm wondering how some of your early experiences with drug addiction, what lessons you might look back on now or things that maybe you've taken with you that you think have impacted how you've grown this business? Um, well, obviously it is a huge part of like that experience has created the person that I am today. I mean, the ability to operate in an environment of just chaos and uncertainty. I mean, nothing prepares you more than that than, than heroin addiction. Right. So, I mean, basically nothing is after living through that, nothing is, I mean, things are scary and terrifying, but nothing like that. So I always have that to reflect on, like no matter how bad things get, it's like, well, at least I'm not there right? Whatever I was experiencing at that point in my life, I'm not there, right? But I would say anything, the, that ability to operate in an environment of complete chaos and uncertainty, I learned it there. Uh, I learned some important lessons about business too. I mean, I, you know, I was arrested for selling drugs. So I learned like the importance of selling product and buying low and selling high and customer service. And, you know, I, I learned those you know, I, I had to learn those things. There's a, uh, a show that I, I really enjoy called Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And uh, one of the young women they arrest for selling drugs in that show makes a comment because she is sober. She doesn't do drugs. And they're like, we didn't think you were involved. And she goes, I can't do drugs. She's like, do you know how much math is involved in selling drugs? <laughs> what is next for you and for Achilles? I mentioned earlier that you've got, I believe, a North County location coming up. But what what's in the, say, the next... In 2022 and beyond, what are you guys seeing for your future? Well, I think we'll expand one more location probably um, within the next year, you know, possibly two. We'll see. I need to increase our capacity for coffee roasting. Like, I mean, we just keep, it's good problems to have, but we keep outgrowing, you know, where we're at. So we've been roasting out of Cortez Hill for, since I started roasting and it's, it's about time to go move and you know, start a real, you know, roasting operation, what, what at least the appearances of it. Right. But I think the, the focus really is taking, really trying to build this vision that we have. I'll keep going back to it, but staying focused on our team and growing that, that really building that vision for what we have for our team and, and our baristas. And I, I really think that is going to be core to our growth going forward our profitability, our success as a company. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm putting my bet on the people who work at Achilles 
at all levels and building that to to kind of ensure our success in the future. I don't know what it's going to I don't know what's going to bring, you know, but I feel like if I have to put it somewhere and put my money, my if I'm betting on somebody, I'm going to bet on the people who are here with us and going along for this ride and really focusing on that. I, I mentioned my wife is I've been running the company by myself. You know, she's she I have her ear, right? So she hears everything and I get advice from her, but she has her own medical practice that she's leaving and she's going to come on and build our HR department which is going to further help us train and evaluate and support, you know, the people who come come into the company. So that's where I see, you know, it, it's a lot more internal fine tuning and building and crafting. So maybe from the outside, it's not as noticeable as, you know, opening new locations, but that's kind of, that's where our, our focus is. And over the next year, I, I, I think that's, that's really where, where it is. Sure. You're reinforcing the foundation. Anything that we didn't cover today that you think listeners should know about you, about the company, about coffee? I don't know. I can't. We covered a lot. I, I was looking back at the questions that you had proposed of dis- topic discussion. So you must, you have your notes, you hit them all. So <laughs> I like to pack it in. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm your podcast as well. I've been c- trying, I've been cramming, I've been trying to catch up and uh, <laughs> enjoy and definitely enjoying, enjoying what I've heard. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I've been learning as I go as well, certainly. And uh, it always helps to, you know, I learn something new from every single one of these interviews. And I, I've been a business owner and I've been an employee and I just love the stories of entrepreneurs. And that's kind of why we do this. Um, and I happen to love coffee too. So it works out. Yeah. What are you drinking for coffee? If you were to go somewhere that's not one of your shops, what are you going to order? I do two things. If I go, uh, I like a roaster and I do, I, I, I hopefully they have a V60 drip. That's how I drink all of my coffee. Uh, and then I'll do a shot of espresso. And then I just, I want to taste, oh, what what are they doing with their espresso or not doing, right? And I want to, what are they doing with their coffee? And I want to, that's why I like the V60. So that's what I do. That's my go-to. And I'll ask you then, I know, I, don't, I don't know that I've asked this before, but I should ask this. I just was thinking about it. If I were to go to one of your shops this week, what would you recommend that I order as a first-time visitor? Well, definitely a V60, one of the ports. So, I mean, maybe I would try, we have a Nicaraguan coffee that we call the Barrio Logan Roast. That's kind of my favorite right now. But I would say, depending on whether you're into, whether you like a lighter or medium or a darker roast, we have all of those, something V60. And then, you know, kind of, I'm just like, this is what I do. I want black coffee (laughs) drip. Let me taste it see what you're doing with it in the espresso, try a shot of espresso and, you know, you know, see, see what you think. That sounds good. Chad, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today and being on the show. And I'm looking forward to trying your coffee and just seeing how you guys grow, especially as you move towards me in North County. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll see you pop into Solana beach and hopefully we're open in a couple of months. So. Well, we'll keep people updated. Okay. Bye, Ryan. As a little recap from today's show, the stresses, challenges, and joys of hospitality are sometimes one and the same. Chad's skills as a flexible multitasker are uniquely suited to this coffee business, but that didn't mean he had a straightforward route to get to where he is now. 
his previous experiences as an entrepreneur, as a cab driver, and even as someone with an addiction, led him down a path that culminated in Achilles Coffee Roasters. It is a common piece of entrepreneurial advice to always look for a need to fill, the way Achilles did in the Cortez Hill neighborhood. But it isn't always obvious that filling that need will lead to success. Later Greek legends featuring Achilles state that he was protected, invulnerable to injury, because his mother Thetis dipped him in the river Styx as an infant, making him uniquely suited to taking on all challengers in war. But she held him by one of his heels, leaving him with one unprotected patch of skin that eventually became his downfall. Near the end of the Trojan War, he was shot in that very spot by Paris, who, frankly, was the cause of the war in the first place, and by all accounts, kind of a weasel. The term Achilles' heel has come to mean a point of weakness, especially in someone otherwise known to be strong of mind and heart and body. I think as an entrepreneur, it's important and invaluable to know what your Achilles' heel is. Especially at the beginning, a lot of entrepreneurship is believing in yourself, in taking on challenges, in being able to strip away the bells and whistles, to get to the core of the idea that will ultimately lead you to a place that makes you happy. By being aware of your Achilles' heel, you'll be able to continually recalibrate your efforts. That is what Chad and his company have done recently. They've refocused on selling coffee, which is what they do, and creating a team of employees who believe in their mission through training, support, and a living wage. For the community of neighbors in Cortez Hill who are looking for good coffee, Achilles' coffee roasters became their sort of community hero, their own Achilles. You can find out more info about the coffee roastery, including the nearest Achilles Coffee Roaster to you, on AchillesCoffeeRoasters.com, or follow at Achilles Coffee on Instagram. And of course, I'll link to all of that on RoastWestCoast.com. One of this show's industry partners, Joe Bettinger of Cape Horn Coffee Importers, came up during my chat with Chad. Coincidentally, a few hours after that interview, I met Joe for a cup of coffee. He recently relocated from San Diego to my home state of Wisconsin, but he was back meeting with coffee people and potential new roaster clients who are looking to grow, who are excited about the potential to connect with Origin Farms, and who are willing to create long-term relationships between themselves, the farms, co-ops, wash stations that Joe connects them with. If I know anything about Joe, it is that he loves traveling to Origin and sharing the coffee experience with people. If that sounds like you, if you're listening and you're thinking about starting a roastery, or you have a roastery that is growing, it might be time to reach out to Cape Horn Coffee Importers and ask for Joe. I'll add some contact info in this week's newsletter on RoastWestCoast.com. I want to thank you for listening to the show today. I know I say that every week, but I really mean it. This show was recently added to the top 10 of a list on Feedspot for the best coffee podcasts in the country. They ranked us 10 out of 60 coffee podcasts. I don't know how they qualify who is better than what or even how they found us, but damn if it isn't nice to be noticed. I'm guessing someone out there listening said something to someone, so thank you. The next Coffee Smarter episode will be out later this week. Chris O'Brien of Coffee Cycle Roasting is back to guide me through espresso and why some coffees are marketed as espresso roasts. Thanks to our coffee industry partners, Café La Terre, Ignite Coffee Company, Moster Coffee Company, Leap Coffee, Marea Coffee, Steady State Coffee Roasting, Coffee Cycle Roasting, Camp Coffee Company, Cape Horn Coffee Importers, First Light Whiskey, and Zumbar Coffee and Tea. 
This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this show has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity and coffee to make it through the day. And please, always tip your baristas, and be sure to drink good coffee. Hey there, if you liked this episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast and you want more of this show, please consider buying us a cup of coffee or signing up for a paid subscription to the Roast West Coast Coffee newsletter. You'll be supporting a small business that is putting this content out into the world every single week for the pure joy of it. And with enough subscribers like you, we'll be able to focus on creating coffee content all day, every day. Subscriptions are a great way to show appreciation for this show. Just head to RoastWestCoast.com to subscribe or leave a tip so that we can fuel our podcast scripting and interviewing with a good cup of coffee. Thanks for subscribing and for listening, everyone.